Hello there. Welcome to the Ray Infinity Show podcast, everyone. This is episode number 87, and I'm your host, Ray. Today here, I got he got some guests on. These guys, they're not in any right-wing people like I usually have on. Like this, this today, we need to like um have some discussions. We need to bring people in from the other side. We can't have any echo chambers or anything like that. So through my my friend Osiris, who have, I've had on my show plenty of times, I've met the, I've met these guys and I brought them on and they agreed to come on. I got Jen Perlman and Peter. Uh, I forgot your last name, man. I'm, I'm so sorry. Hager. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. But like, but yeah. Thank you. Th thank you guys for coming. Can you please introduce yourselves? Sure. Um, my name's Jen Perlman, and we, uh, Peter, and I have a show called Generational Change, and we do a podcast. And um, we came off of I ran for Congress in twenty. At, down here in South Florida, and we took that platform and transformed it into this sort of educational podcast. I mean, we do silly stuff, but a lot we do very we do long form interviews with experts on issues. Um, we're nonpartisan, and then and what else do you want to? What do you? What did I forget? Plenty of stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so Jen and I have been working together for a few years now. We obviously four. were four years. Well, okay, who's counting? Four four years. <laughs> Haven't killed each other yet but there's still time. Uh, Jen ran for Congress in 2020 against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So naturally your audience will probably appreciate that at the least. See, now what is the right, like, do they, do they appreciate that as much as like the leftists do? Like, do people on the right know who she is? Like, is that something you guys know? I'm not know? done with my intro. Yet. I'm sorry. I just wanted to know that first. That, that it varies all the time. Okay. I would yeah. imagine that people would probably not care for her. That's no, but they wouldn't like her, but yeah. I just, yeah. Okay. Go on. So we, try to do everything we can to transform politics into service. That is the notion that I think everybody who's involved in politics should be looking to do uh, very often, as you said, uh, people like to get into their echo chambers. And anytime there's a discussion in terms of policies that uh, one may not agree with on the other side, they're not looking at compromise in any way, shape or form. And that I think is very detrimental to our future, whether it is for the environment, whether it's for healthcare, whether it's for endless war, whether it's for our civil liberties, <laughs> all of these things come to the forefront every day and the divide grows bigger and bigger and bigger. So the more we cross pollinate, as Jen likes to say, yeah. this is the way we will ultimately get to where we're going to go, which is a united populist front that this country yeah. has needed for quite some time and hasn't seen in many generations. Yeah. yeah, probably probably the last populist to me, like it, it was JFK, really the most yes. populist president. Probably the That's most. Popular. Um, JFK, then before him, probably Jackson, in my view, about that. So yeah. Well, let, we're not, I'm not going to agree with you on that. Although I will say that Andrew Jackson, <laughs> is the most, Andrew Jackson is certainly the most controversial president we've ever had because he's had his very high points and his very. I low have some points. issues. Big time. Oh, uh, my favorite president is Teddy Roosevelt. Um, he's one of my actually. He's actually one of my favorite presidents of all time. Actually, um, Teddy Roosevelt was like um like my view on 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 what the reason I like him so much is because like um he was a capitalist, which I am, but like he actually was still like into trust busting because he was anti -mon -mon monopoly, and I'm very much into that. Like what we have with Amazon, Apple, and even a bunch yeah. of other corporations. Like I have issues with that, so that's why I'm a big Ooh. fan of Teddy Roosevelt and. And when he actually did trust busting, he was hated for that, very much cool. hated. And like, um, if he hadn't, and looking back at it right now, if he hadn't done that, imagine where how many monopolies, um, um, monopolies we would have today. There is no telling. Well, we're getting there. Like, I feel like we're we've almost come back around to that. Like, we are there right now, 
And the difference is the type of companies and the type of corporations that are that are running things. But it's interesting because it's like, I totally see where you're coming from. And I, I'm not necessarily like gung-ho capitalist. I'm sort of not an ist. Um, I, I support certain notions of different things. But um, I, the problem is, is that when we're looking at our corporate situation, it isn't really capitalism. It's actually socialism for the corporations, right? Like they're getting subsidies, they're getting handouts, they get bailed out. The big things are getting bailed out. So they get socialism. Um, everybody else, it's no rugged individualism for you all. But like we bail out big businesses, small businesses get screwed left and right. There's no, and, and a lot of that is like what you're talking about when you have these monopolies like Amazon or Walmart, there's no more small business. Like we don't take care of small businesses. And if we had fair capitalism, real capitalism, then it would, we wouldn't be giving socialism and benefits. If they couldn't cut it themselves, they wouldn't be in business. Well, I don't really, th I think what we have going on right today is crony capitalism, not regular capitalism in the modern yeah. sense that you would, that you would um, define it as. At least that's how my opinion on it is. Yeah. I definitely think that we, the best, the best run countries in the world have uh, what is, I guess, what you would call is known as a hybrid system, which is a, a capitalist system infused with mm. socialism. And it's not one that uh, kowtows towards corporate special interests, which is obviously our biggest problem in our country today. Our government is completely captured by corporate special interests. Um, I think that there's a lot of crossover between progressives and libertarians. It never gets mm. talked about enough, but I think it's a conversation that's happening more on the regular especially as it relates to civil liberties, as it relates to small business support, as it relates to uh, the anti-war movement. Uh, healthcare is getting there. It's not there yet, but I think most people understand that in our country, we're the only nation on earth that has developed that has a for-profit middleman in between us and our doctors that have absolutely no reason to exist. Big Pharma completely dominates Capitol Hill, as we saw during COVID. Uh, I, I am vaccinated. Jen is vaccinated. I do not believe in mandates. I do not believe in forcing people to do things. No. Um, you know, that is where the individual liberty concept comes into play. People should respect what others' decisions are. And as was related to what the overall results were after the fact, that's what should have been done in the first place. I'm not saying Florida and DeSantis had the right answers. I am definitely not saying that uh, Newsom and Cuomo had the right answers. There was something obviously in between that needed to happen and it didn't happen. And so we need to be able to find these common grounds that we have. If we stay on wedge issues, we'll be divided forever. If we stay away from them and focus on the key issues that most people agree on, then a lot of those wedge issues will eventually find their, their way towards the desired outcome that most are looking for. If you don't start with the core issues, you'll never get where you want to go. Yeah. The majority of people in like um, Congress, for instance, like they're all very partisan, whether they're right or left. I, it doesn't matter. Really, they're all thinking out for themselves and, and, and with the money they make. Like there's really no discussions going on between either side, in my in my view. It's people like me, you guys, Osiris, and there are probably a few other people on the Internet that are basically willing to have these conversations to try to find some middle ground and like try to learn from the other's opinions. Because like that's the main reason I wanted to bring you guys on. Because like um I saw you guys had you guys were have a little different opinions than mine, but we agree more than we disagree from what I've seen. And we just need to find where we have some common ground and where we don't. I, I so we can build bridges between the right and left. Yeah, I mean our goal is right now we're saying what we need to be focusing on is the class war, and the class war is there's very few people at the top that own everything and are making the people at the bottom worse off and worse off and worse off as they're getting better off. The divide is beyond, it's at a point where it's going to implode. 
it's not it's not sustainable. Okay, we're at a, un, we're in an unsustainable situation right now, and the people that are on the top have done a very good job of brainwashing us as to who the reasons are for our problem. And that's what we try to fight against. We need to be like, people have every right to be angry, but I think that we need to make sure that they're not, we don't need to be kicking down. We should always be punching up. And I think that that's the, that's the key difference. You know, it's not, it's not the, I'm not going to let people, other people, it's not the immigrants problem. It's not, anybody else's problem other than ours, why we're in this economic situation we're in. Yeah. Like, um, I've heard you guys talk about with Osiris before you mentioned someone who I think for if the fact that you guys mentioned them, we will agree completely more a, a lot. You mentioned Bill Gates, how you guys are not fans of him at all because no. like how he's buying up farmland across all across the country. Like, um, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm finally, there's someone on the left who actually, who actually wants to talk about Bill Gates though. Cause like, um, I talk about him all the time. Well, they don't want to talk about, I mean, again, the, well, wait, uh, who's the left, right? Like you're, let me no, tell no, you. No, 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 not, not you guys. I'm talking about like the far left because you guys to me are populist. Well, we are, but in some ways I'm probably pretty left. I mean, it would just depend. You know, I think that it's, I don't talking, do labels well. Yeah, if you're talking about the culture war left, that's a completely different obstacle because so much of what is controlled at the top of the culture war is controlled by the democratic corporate establishment. Their goal is to never talk about uh, any type of economic populist issues. Any issues that is going to take away from the bottom line of the shareholders that run the country, it is always going to get mired down in whether or not... Uh, you know, there's trans bathrooms, there's certain teachers teaching certain things in classrooms. It's like, it's always going to be a wedge, always. If the issue doesn't involve a living wage, if it doesn't involve universal health care, if it doesn't involve moving to a clean energy grid and getting us off of fossil fuels in some way, which we actually believe involves nuclear, if you are not going to talk about that, if you are not going to talk about the fact that our civil liberties are disappearing every day, you've been saying for two decades we've <laughs> lost them because of George W. Bush, yes. the worst president of my lifetime. Uh, you know, when you that was the end of four, five, and six amendments, by the way. So when people sit there and they want to argue about two, and I, I support all the amendments actually, but it's just we've lost several of them already. And then when you add in Occupy Wall Street, they decided, okay, now we've got to take the First Amendment away because right. th this is essentially how it happens. So, right. And if anyone is focusing on anything other than the economic populist message, which interconnects every major issue of our time, then I, I, I don't, and I don't think you do either, no. have any time for those people. And no one should either because we don't have time. This is we, a labor, this needs to be a labor movement. It's a labor movement across the board. Not union. Now, union is part of it. Unionization is part of what that labor movement is. But when we talk populism, we're talking working people. We're talking the working people, working class people fighting against corporate oligarchs that are sitting at the top of a food chain deciding that we're lucky to be fighting for scraps. And these are people that are on our payroll. And it's infuriating. Those people in Congress are our employees. Those are our employees. We actually pay them very well to sit there and create political theater <laughs> that looks like they're doing anything when they're not doing anything. And they all work for the same corporate donors. Oh, yeah. So it's like to me, it's just a circus. They're a circus. And I, I, it's like that is not what we need. And people like Bill Gates are incredibly scary. Um, you you want to buying up farmland here. Have you looked into what he's done in Africa? I've I've read some things of it, some stuff. Let me tell you, you think he's bought up land here? 
He oh, owns even more. He owns even more over there. He wants to control their entire continent's food source. Well, he wants to control the entire world's food source. Well, here's here something I'm, I'm curious if you guys know about this. Like, are you guys aware that Bill Gates is actually a Rockefeller? No, no, is he connected? Yep, I didn't know he's, that, related. I, he's related. He's oh, related to the Rockefellers. Right. That's that, what I mean. I'm trying to picture the. I'm trying to picture the chain. But yeah, no surprise. Right, no surprise. I mean, he comes from privilege. He was granted an opportunity to be at Harvard. He didn't stay, but he comes from privilege. It is kind of amazing, even though um, you know Bill Gates comes off as the nicer guy, and Steve Jobs is always regarded as the asshole. But in terms of the brain, they're both assholes. Of, yeah, I was sure. about to say. Yeah, they're but, both. But assholes. in terms of innovation, in terms of creativity, there is no comparison. Steve Jobs was an absolute genius and Bill Gates was just in more or less the right place. Yeah, right Bill Gates time. didn't invent anything. No. And it's he, very much, with all due respect, it's very much like Elon Musk. You know, everyone thinks that Elon Musk he invented didn't invent the electric anything. car. He just happened to, he, uh, he was in, he, he's very business savvy. I won't take that away from him. He figured out a way to bring it to scale, but everyone thinks that he's some kind of, you know, benevolent genius as they think all billionaires are in most cases, but it's not true. No. That's the thing. They, they just, they, the billionaire class are the ones who best figured out how to game the system the most effectively. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Well, I'm not, I, I'm, I have my issues with, with Elon Musk because like he is tied to the elitist type of people. That's why I have my issues oh. with him. Did you see him with Don't Jack? get me started did, on Tesla. Did, I can't even. Did you see him at the World Cup the other day with Jared Kushner in his box? Yeah. Cause oh, I saw I don't that. watch the World Cup. So oh, yeah. I don't blame you. I mean, I can certainly understand, but. It's it's a well as, as George Carlin would say it's a big club and you ain't in it. It's a small <laughs> it's a small club and you're not invited. Exactly, that's what it is. And and also you guys are aware of the World Economic Forum. I take it as well. Klaus Schwab, yeah. the, sure. he's a Rothschild too. If you didn't know that, yeah. it's all guys, it's all it's very they're all connected. They're yeah. all connected. It's a very small group. And they're very, and by the way, there's a lot of inbreeding in that. It's well, very like, well, it is. It's it's sort of like it's our own. It's sort of like the world monarchy, right? It's it's like every like the countries have monarchies that they might still have them, but that's almost like it's the world monarchy, and not inbreeding in the sense that people would think. But it's like it's it's like who it's like the family that Chelsea Clinton marries into. It's it's those types of things where it. Again, it's not that they are arranged marriages, but they're kind of suggested that if you want to continue to perpetuate this system that has treated us so well, you'll probably end up. Okay, with this they're not arranged, case. but those people uh, affiliate with those. Some people. might be though. Yeah. Well, in terms of, uh, but I think consensual, not in terms of like where people are forced to do it. I think that there's okay. consensual okay. arrangements. In the United States, we have that. Yeah, I think there's consensual arrangements. Absolutely. I think a lot of these are, I think Melania is a, is, a, is a nice agreement. And I think that she should go for even more money if she has to do a second term. But I also think that the importance of this conversation is just recognizing that, yeah, we've, we've got problems, got a lot mm -hmm. of them. But we're never going after the root cause of the problem, and unless you're willing to go after the root cause, Agreed. then it's never going to it's never going to change. And I think the best example that I ever saw is is always in labor, and especially in certain unions. You see, the issue with unions is whether or not the rank and file have the final say regarding what they support and what they get involved in. Exactly. The 2016 primary between Bernie and Hillary was the best example of that. Anytime the rank and file was allowed to decide 
who they were going to endorse, they endorsed Bernie every time. Anytime it was the shareholders that got to decide, it was Hillary. That should be anything. If anybody wants to know what the difference is between good you know, labor and, and not so good labor, that's a great example of that. The rank and file are people I will always support. But when it comes to union bosses, union delegates, people like that, they're no different than, you know, major stock traders who are looking out for their bottom line. They're other, that, and they're politicians. Yeah, it's the same thing. And we yeah. see that down here. You know, Jen went through that in the worst kind of way yeah. Yeah. when she ran because the rank and file and a lot of these local union chapters wanted to support her. But because the big bad union boss of Broward County, Dan Reynolds, head of, head of the AFL-CIO, decided, no, I'm with anti-war, pro-TPP, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and because- You mean pro-war. Well, that, well, no, did I, what did you I said say? said anti-war. I didn't say anti-war. You said anti-war, pro-TPP. Uh, no, I, I said, I, I, okay, maybe I slipped the I thought you did say anti-war, though. He did. Anti-labor. Anti-labor. Anti-labor, pro-TPP, worst of the worst, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And again, it's because it's a political marriage that's manifested over right. 25 years. Which is not on the best, like that's not in the best interest of labor. Not at all. There's nothing about that that's in the best interest of working class. It just happens to be the union. And if you talk to rank and file members that are in, let's say, the Teamsters, for example, one of the biggest <laughs> and longest standing unions, Jimmy Hoffa's union, what you will find is that you will find just as many Bernie supporters, as you will find Trump supporters, yep. they are 100% in many ways lockstep in those unions. Yep. They're not going to agree on the culture war stuff in many ways. And they're frankly, they don't even want to talk about it in most instances. But when it comes to a living wage, health care, you know, civil liberties, things like that, they agree. And that's where the labor movement really intersects a lot of the interests that we have in this country today. Yeah. What I think 2016 was represented was was because like everyone had enough of the establishment for that moment. Like um, I remember, Jen, you, you went, when you went with those talk to Osiris last time, you said that you expected either Trump or Bernie to win in, in 2016 because yeah. like because you think like someone someone who is non-establishment, who is more closer to an outsider, even though to some degree, Bernie's not an outsider, but to a certain degree. But like um, they he they one of those two would get elected. And. And and like here's some I believe Bernie could have actually won if like they had if they all hadn't um um jumped on him um in 2016 if they hadn't done that I think he probably would have won. I agree. I mean, we he would, and he would, he would have beaten Trump different. in my view. I I think he could have for sure. And I always well I was saying back during the primary when people were trying to suggest that it was more reasonable to support Hillary, and I was saying no, your next president is Bernie or Trump. You know, you're not getting Hillary. That's not happening. And they just, they, they thought that was just this, they had to be safe. It was safer. Bernie's too far left. He's too crazy, you know, crazy Bernie. And so that's what they did. And you know what? They got what they had coming to them. That's what I, th I mean, that's what you get because it's not about the party or the insider. It's the populism. Now Trump ran on a very populist message. He didn't do those things, but he ran on a very populist message. So, so did Bernie. So that's that's what I knew was happening. We're having a populist uprising. There's been how many how many Starbucks have you? It's like two hundred. Like, yeah, it's like hundreds now. Two hundred and something Starbucks have unionized in the past year. We're 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 watching a populist uprising. So it's happening on both sides. And so when people ask, well, what's the big deal about supporting baristas? Well, the fact is, <laughs> so, overwhelming majority of our manufacturing jobs have been outsourced. They've been exported to other parts of the world that pay a slave wage. And what's happening right now 
um, and this is, you know, sort of my conservative side coming out, especially with what's going on at the border right now. You know, everyone is trying to deny that there is a border crisis. There is a border crisis. But why is that? There's two reasons. Number one, on the economic side, you have this labor uprising in the United States where people are not willing to take the BS from ownership anymore, that they know their value. They absolutely believe that they are entitled to a living wage and universal health care, which they are. So the attitude of the owner class, which owns our government, says, all right, open up the floodgates at the border. We'll bring in low info workers and they'll work for a slave wage just like they do everywhere else. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. This isn't about, oh my God, we're such a benevolent country and we're going to save everybody. No, it's because we don't have labor laws here anymore, and we're willing to sacrifice our own people for the sake of a buck, which, of course, is the corporate class that controls everything. And then the other side, of course, is we do have a climate crisis that people want to pretend is not happening. And it's very real, especially down here in Florida. Yeah. I mean, sea level rise is an effing disaster. And even if it rains for 30 minutes in Miami, it's flooding the streets unbelievably. Let it sit there for a day. Let a hurricane sit in Miami for a day, and you will displace millions of people, guaranteed. My, the only questions I have is why would be why would Bill Gates and Barack Obama be buying beachfront property? That's my only that's my concern with that. They're not buying beachfront property in Miami. They're buying beachfront property twelve hundred miles north of there in regions of the country that are not susceptible to the sea level rise as of this moment. Will they be susceptible in you know 30, 40 years from now? Yeah, probably. But at that point, very likely they'll be dead. So it doesn't matter. But down here, it's very real. And the central part of the globe where the sea level is the where, where land uh, land surface is the lowest. I mean, as you like to talk about, you know, the limestone problems that we have, yeah. you know, sea level rise is very low down here. You know, you have parts of the country that are extremely elevated. They don't have as many of those problems in terms of, you know, where the water is ultimately going to flood, especially from Antarctica. That is a problem that is very real that in the central part of the globe is the most likely to suffer the most. Which and especially we're closer to that. Oh, we're That's, very close. Yeah. The Tropic of Cancer is not far from where we are. So we are in a subtropical climate. And so many of the regions, I mean, think about the devastation that has been going on in the Caribbean within the actual tropical zone. When you think about what's happening in various countries, whether it's Haiti, whether it's Puerto Rico, it's all the time now. It's not once in a generation that some catastrophic storm is hitting yeah. you. It's like every single season, you now have to worry about whether or not tens of billions of dollars in damage is going to hit your island. That's a problem. And to ignore it is just nuts. Well, uh, to me, it makes me think about we're going to have a series more and more migration issues that we're not dealing with because a lot more places are going to become uninhabitable. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be a problem. Yeah, well, well, like um, recycling, it, it was like one of the biggest scams of them all because like with Canada, for instance, Great. they, were, oh, they yeah. were like, they were like, oh, we're recycling because we're but in reality, they were giving it to China and they were actually just dumping it in the ocean. So, oh, of course. Well, they've got there. there's a plastic, uh, you know, garbage heap in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. That's as big as Texas. Yeah. And and people don't want to talk about that. Uh, Where somebody says It's in the Pacific. There is you can look this up. It's yeah. I forget what they call this thing. It's a giant plastic mass of garbage that's the size of Texas. That floats that. around somewhere out there. I forget. The, it, it, they follow from, it. They, yeah. they can see. You can see it. Like they can see it from above. It's like, not it's, far from Hawaii. I mean, it's basically that far out. But 
what are you going to do? I'll, There's I'll actually a key. lot of the, of, of those. There's a lot of those. This one happens to be particularly large. And this is also one of the reasons why for your viewers that are very conservative and, and whether they believe in climate change or not, whether they believe it's that devastating. The truth is the fossil fuel industry, which is tuned up to hundreds of billions of dollars at this point, pretty much every year regarding subsidies. Exactly. You know, they create plastic. That's where it comes from. You know, glass, for example, isn't as profitable, but it's recyclable. Going to the switch was one of the key ingredients. Remember, when we were growing up, there was no such thing as bottled water because we didn't need it. We hadn't contaminated the hell out of our water supply yet. So, well, now, and bottled water, bottled water. Not nearly as much fluoride either. Oh, of course. And bottled water is also a scam. That, that is true. Sense. Well, again, it's a scam for two reasons. One, figured out a way to make money. Number two, this is the only way that people in places like Flint, Michigan and Jackson, Mississippi, it's the only way they can survive. Because if you drink that it's tap not. water, it is completely contaminated and it will kill you if you drink it after you know a considerable amount of time. Well, drink bottled, bottled water, water, no, to me, bottled water is sort of under the guise of people like Bill Gates and its oh, yeah. companies like Nestle that they, they want to own our water. They want to own the water just like he wants to own the food. The CEO of Nestle said so. Yeah. And that's to me where bottled water really comes from. Now, it has come in very handy and necessary since we can't seem to get our infrastructure in place and have clean water for our people. But no, that's not what there's not bottled water to serve people that need it. There's bottled water because they found out a way to package it and profit off of it. It happens to help people when they need it. Yeah. Well, well, like they get it, they get it from the oceans, but if, but what they do is like, they take all the salt out of, out of it and just dump it back in the ocean, which creates like these dead zones from what I hear. So, re so really nothing can, can survive in those areas from that's just what I heard. I don't know if that's a hundred percent. Well, I think enough. there's different, well, it depends on the bottled water. Like there's difference, like there's spring water, there's purified water, there's distilled water, you know, reverse osmosis water. It depends on the water. It's not all the same. Like some, um, then there's mineral water. I don't think it's all the same. Like we have all the springs in Florida and it, up in Northern Florida. And there are these, the freshwater springs. And that is where like Zephyr Hills, which is a bottled water thing. It is from the springs. So that is where it's from, but that's where places like Nestle are trying to buy up. Part of them has already been privatized. Yeah. Which is devastating. And that's the type of thing when we think about, you know, true free market capitalism, there are certain elements of societal infrastructure that simply can't be for profit. If you make it for profit, it will it will collapse. And what do you like to say? Health, it's healthcare, education and corrections should never be for profit industries. And when they are, you see the implosion that we're seeing now. We have and I, it, it's just and, and I honestly, it never occurred to me to add things like water to that list. But apparently now we have to add things like water and I'm waiting. Look, if Elon Musk could figure out how to suck all the air out of the world and resell it to us, he would. Yeah. <laughs> well, you bring up Elon, like, um, like I said, I have my issues with him. Cause like, I'm a lot of like, um, this, this Mars mission stuff to me, this is a giant scam in my opinion. Cause what it, oh. cause, cause, cause what it is, is like, um, this Mars mission will not happen until the CGI gets good enough. Yeah, my I've always thought this about people like Elon Musk. I seriously do. Small penis. This is a very small man. Nobody has a smaller one than Jeff Bezos. Well, they all do to me. This is a very no. He's a very small. He's a very small and insecure man. And this is someone who probably didn't have a girlfriend until he was, in, you know, had a trust fund or an, was an adult. Like this is someone he is. He's just a small man and very insecure. 
And I feel the same way about Jeff Bezos. You need to fly a giant phallus into outer space. to, And then not only that, but then we we paid him. We paid Jeff. Uh, the, the government got bailed like him out. Million, million dollars or something. To do rocket. It may have been more than that, actually. Well, he got whatever. We paid him, even though his wasn't the one that was chosen. It was sort of like the consolation prize, but we'll bail you out for it. Like, that's insane to me. That's insane to me. So when I see these people, I'm like, they're very small men and are very insecure because I cannot fathom, like, I I just, I don't get it. And I don't subscribe in any way into the, you know, the racial culture war, the the sexual culture war, because perfect example, Hakeem Jeffries, who is a black man from New York City, is going to do exactly the same thing that Nancy Pelosi was doing when she was in charge of the Democratic Party. They are owned by Wall Street and Silicon Valley. It doesn't matter what face, sexual orientation you put on any of this. Or political party. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Doesn't matter. And so even though I have serious issues with a lot of the representatives in the GOP, at least there are a couple that I do think are honest about where they stand and are actually trying to make things better. The best representative the GOP has, in my opinion, is is Thomas Massey. And the reason... uh, I believe Massey is the best representative is because he not only subscribes to true libertarian values, he actually is trying to help solve the climate crisis. In fact, as far as I know, his estate is almost completely run on clean energy. Um, He doesn't actually have, uh, but he doesn't believe that we're at a point where we can scale uh, the system that is needed in order to cover the country in terms of an energy grid if we just go with renewables, which I do agree with, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be fighting for these types of issues. When you have corporate cronyism in both political parties, there are no good guys here. There is not this, well, let's just pick this side. You know, this side is going to solve our problem. There are more billionaire donors in the Democratic Party than there is in the Republican Party. But yeah, so they're not on our team, people. Well, well, I well, I would slightly disagree. I would say Rand Paul's the best person in the GOP, in my opinion. I actually, you know what? And I respect him. You know, the only two people in the Senate that don't take the money is Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders. Um, and so I have respect for him. I don't always agree with him on a lot of things I do. You know, obviously very anti-war and anti-intervention and a lot of stuff like that. And, that, and those are and those are the fights that you need to be coalescing on. You may disagree with Mike Lee on probably seven out of 10 things, but when it comes to civil liberties and it comes to the anti-war movement, Mike Lee, Mr. As conservative a Republican as it gets in the U.S. Senate, is going to vote the right way on those key issues. And that is where, you know, sort of co-mingling, if you will, on those issues. He's never going to vote the right way when it comes to workers. He's always going to side with management. He is never going to vote the right way on health care. He is always going to side with corporate power. But when it comes to the anti-war movement, the wasting of money, that is the true libertarian value that he does have, which is this is a waste. We don't need it. Let's stop doing this. And so we need to galvanize more of that particular movement on those particular issues. And that's where this sort of non-corporate left and non-corporate right can come together exactly. and get things done. Yeah. Well, the main reason I became like a huge Rand Paul fan, because he was actually one of the very few people that was actually questioning Fauci. Like yeah. there was, a, there was literally just like maybe two or three others that were, but he was the main one doing it. And like, 
Like he literally torched him in, in on all these um like hearings and stuff like that, and then the media just shut him down at, right afterwards. Listen, I don't know what you hear about Mr. Rand Paul, but he doesn't know anything. Okay, I've been doing this doctor <laughs> thing for the past fifty years. I don't know. It's not I right. know a thing or two about whether or not you should inject yourself. This message has been brought to you by Purdue Pharma. <laughs> oh, my God. I just yeah. you know what yeah. we. This is where I mean I'm very very like. Uh, civil libertarian to the point where like, I don't support bans or mandates. It's just not, I don't pretty much with anything. I can't think of anything where I have supported a ban or a mandate for or against anything. I, can't I had to have a anything. conversation with my father and his fiance when they were insistent and granted she's vulnerable and I completely sympathize with her hundred percent, but she and, and well, vaccinated. both of them were under this illusion that Getting the vaccine stops the spread. And I literally had to like stop the car and say, no, it doesn't. If you want to get the vaccine for your own personal protection, then get it. But do not suggest that everyone has to get the vaccine. It is absolutely ludicrous. And when it comes down to who are the most vulnerable people to succumbing to uh, the virus, diabetes was the number one killer. And people who are not healthy do not eat right, exercise stressed out people who live in vulnerable communities around the country where they are exposed to chemicals and their immune system is weakened and they don't have clean water. Those are the people who are the most vulnerable. This idea that everyone who lives in the suburbs and in the cities must get this vaccine, or if you don't get this vaccine, we're not even going to let you in the city, which is what New York was doing. Cause I was there at the time and they wanted that vax card. And if you didn't have it, they were not allowing you to eat at a restaurant. That's how serious they were about this. Well, here's another serious thing. My aunt, um, her husband, she, I'm like, he has, he has a daughter with someone else. Like, um, his daughter, like, um, her school, because she was doing online learning school during, during, during the the lockdowns and stuff when the when the vaccine started rolling out as well. And basically, her school literally told her that she had to get the vaccine or she couldn't do online school. Literally, no yeah. joke. This was yeah, in Arkansas were- too. This was in yeah. Arkansas that's, too. That's just nuts. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. Well, no, it makes complete sense. It's extremely profitable for big pharma. (laughs) It it makes complete sense. Um, But, you know, to me, I get very, very nervous about any type of the look of an infringement on our civil liberties. I'm actually one of the door. I read the Patriot Act when it happened, when it came out. Um, You're probably young. I don't know how young you are, but like I remember. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you don't remember the Patriot Act. I I, Um, but I, but I looked a lot into it. Though. Yeah, it's scary stuff, man. It's some scary stuff. And once I saw that we had a Democrat President Obama who just sort of reauthorized it and kept everything exactly as it was and never closed Guantanamo Bay and never did any of the things that to me are complete violations of the Constitution and never did anything to fix it. That was sort of for me when I realized, yeah, it's all the same. They're all well, the same. He, well, actually, he didn't even leave it the same. He expanded it. Oh, you mean like in terms of infringing on civil liberties, not yes. Guantanamo Bay? Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. And and once they, the truth is, it's been edging closer and closer, right? Like over time, I don't think it's it's this isn't a Democrat or Republican thing, right? It's a it's basically a it's a class war authoritarian thing. And the more control over the people and what they're saying, and the more we can suppress the people, and so that sort of the pendulum has been swinging that way you see rise of authoritarianism and we're seeing it globally. It's not something that's just here by the, like, that's not, you know, it's not just in this country. 
And yeah, like and you're talking, and obviously the Patriot Act was started by Bush. We all know that. And um, oh yeah, Osiris, Osiris told me that you had someone who I'm a huge fan of on your show that is very anti-Bush, Jesse Ventura. But yeah, I am yeah. a huge Jesse Ventura fan. Huge. Same. I am huge too. Fan. Always was. Always was. Growing up, remember him um, being being able to be elected as an independent in Minnesota. Uh, just his whole philosophy. I've read his several of his books. And just his whole disdain for the for the filth and the system and the corruption and the, the nepotism and and the fact that he calls it out, I, I think he and is actually it's not just that he actually is an extremely good executive branch leader. It's not just that he because a lot of people can stand on a soapbox and talk crap, right? Like a lot of people can be a really good talking head, but he actually ran an executive branch. So this is somebody who is actually qualified and was able to do it without being on the corporate dole. And I think that speaks volumes. So no, I am a huge fan of his. I was so excited that we got it. That was a huge get for us um, to get him on. And if he, he said he would run, he said he would run, but we have to, somebody has to get him ballot access, which means he needs a party. And he will not run in the green party. He won't run. Well, they won't know they're idiots and won't run him. Well, but is true. more the thing. But he won't run as a Democrat or Republican. Yeah, he's actually the person that convinced me that we need to abolish all political parties. He's the one yes. that convinced oh, me yeah. of that. Did you read? Did you read? Did you have you read any of his books? I may have read um, some of them, but that it's been, probably been a little while. So because one of the one the one that I first read was called Democrats and Rebloodicans, and it <laughs> talks about them as their gangs and how they operate, and they are. They're gangs and it's, it's ridiculous, but now they've taken away all choice and we're just, we've been funneled into one choice. And I honestly, I, we've, we've tried to figure it out. Like how could any party get ballot access for Jesse Ventura in 24? Like how? And then I did text Andrew Yang and I did ask him because I know he and Jesse had talked and I asked him, is there any, you know, can I at all think about the idea potentially of there being a collaboration between Jesse and the forward party? And he said, yes. So I don't know what that means. I, I, you know, like I'm not prying any further, but man, I would be behind that so fast. I don't care what party it is because quite honestly, he's an independent. Oh, he's yeah. an independent. So whatever party it is that can get him ballot access, like I'll get behind that. That's my point. Yeah. yeah. Jesse is definitely the one person right now that I would say outside of the two-party system could really shake things up if he chose to run in 24. Because the country's waiting for it. The country oh. just needs, I mean, again, when you think about what Ross Perot did, he was a complete, like, you know, he was a maniac. He wasn't a, he wasn't a straight shooter. And didn't really know a complete unknown for complete people. Unknown. But oh, yeah. he was putting the TV ads up and he had the money. If you had somebody who really knew what they were doing and could actually do that job. Oh, people would gravitate to Jesse in a minute. Oh, they yeah. would. They would yeah. just they would sense that, you know what, we've done this for so and long. And served in the military and is anti-war and is just speaks truth to power. And this is the colossal Can't mistake be bought. the Democrats are going to make because if they for them it's all about the Chamber of Commerce, it's protecting the established order within the beltway. Joe Biden is the ultimate political insider. He's been there forever. And he, you know, there's a lot of, especially when the Democrats are in charge, there is a very big bureaucracy, a lot of jobs, high paying jobs, influential jobs, cushy jobs that people have during a presidential administration. And his is no different because he's not really running the show. Let's just be oh, honest. Oh, good God, no. Oh. And, and so, thankfully result, so. And thankfully so. And as a result of that, 
you know, they're going to want to run him again. The problem is, is that he never actually won a real presidential election. He ran it. He ran ran an election literally from his basement. If he actually has to go around the country and campaign to try to convince tens of millions of people who are tired of this to vote for him, it's a very dangerous road to go down. The other problem is, is because of what the Democratic Party did to Bernie Sanders and what they have done to any type of populist left movement, they have no bench. So they don't have anybody that they could really throw out there right now that's going to inspire people. You know, they got the Sunrise Movement and the Justice Dems to more or less probably make the difference for Biden to get into the White House. And he not only hasn't done anything and he for barely their causes, won, by the way, yeah, he hasn't done anything for their causes. He's actually made things worse. He's issued more drilling permits in less time that he's been in office than Trump was in there for four years. So if you ask me, that's not only not good, but you're really setting yourself up for a very devastating future in terms of where you think things are going to go. So I don't know what the solution is in 24, but somebody like Jesse Ventura getting involved oh would God. really shake things up a lot, I think. Yeah, well, I'm a huge fan of Jesse. I, I've, I've listened to so many of his stuff. Like My favorite one is when he destroyed Piers Morgan on CNN. That was by far my favorite one. <laughs> I still, yeah. I, I still watch that every now and then just to get a laugh. <laughs> well, as we we do have our regular show, which is going in ten minutes from now. So, if we are going to wind down the conversation, how do you see twenty twenty as a as somebody who I definitely strike as is pretty libertarian? I would I would imagine is kind of where you see yourself politically. Would, would that be fair? I would say I would consider myself to be conservative, conservative with a libertarian leaning. Okay, that's fair. So where do you see things going in 24 and who are you supporting? Are you a Trump guy, a DeSantis guy? How do you see it? This is something I've been, I wanted to talk to, I wanted to tell you guys. I think it's pretty clear Biden's going to win in 2024. It's pretty obvious. Like um I don't think Trump has any chance anymore. I think he I he has a 0% chance in my opinion. Like he ha- I think he would have won if this Kanye, Milo and Nick Fuentes dinner never happened. If that never happened, and like um, also this trading card announcement that he did, if none of this ever happened, I think Trump probably would have won. He would have. But because of this, Biden- You're totally is- wrong about what you're saying. I'm totally winning in 24. And believe me, <laughs> believe me when I tell you, you're going to buy those NFTs. They make a really great Christmas present. <laughs> they're believe gross. Believe me. No, they're really incredible. They make me look as great as I've ever looked before. Ugh. So you get yourself out there and remember, go to Trump2024.com. Get yourself a new NFT. We're making America great again. Again. <laughs> and that's all there is to it. Nice to see you, Ray. And believe me, the Trump train is still on the tracks uh. <laughs> and we're still heading for the White House. I think I think that you're 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 discounting somebody entirely because here's the thing. I don't necessarily think it's gonna be Trump. I actually think it'll be not a Democrat. I actually can't see a universe wherein wherein he could possibly win. He barely won during the pandemic. Um, he, he really hasn't done anything to pull over anybody from the left. He hasn't endeared himself to anybody in particular. He's done nothing. Like, I don't, like, I don't see it happening. And we actually think that your Ron DeSantis is the contender that we need to be talking about. Um, but like, if it were right now, I think Ron DeSantis would beat Joe Biden. I, I can't see that. I just can't see that. Like, um, for like, I think like um, this some like um dinner that Trump had with Nick Fuentes and Kanye and Milo. That believe I believe that put the nail in the coffin for the GOP in twenty twenty four. In my view, like that. You think that, it hurts the whole party? You think it kills yeah, the whole party? Yeah, at least in twenty twenty four. Maybe in twenty twenty eight. 
Like I'm, I think what's going to happen, Biden will win in 2024. I think that's pretty solid. I don't know. I don't, I haven't seen an argument that, that says otherwise, but I think DeSantis in 2028 for will for sure become the president in my view about that on that. That's like, right, yeah. But, but like, if he did run in 2024, he would get um get 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 blown out by by Biden. He just would. I just I just can't see how anywhere else that he that Biden does not be the president in 2024. I don't agree. I, I vehemently disagree with you, and I think a lot of that has to do with how Biden uh, has treated Biden. the environment movement, particularly what he's done to the labor movement recently with the railroad workers, which no one is talking about. But he did the most anti-labor legislation this country has seen since Reagan fired the air traffic controllers in 1981. So to think that we have gone to that point where you had a Democratic president pull off the type of anti-labor, literal, you know, gut punch that the GOP could only dream of pulling off. I mean, if anyone in the GOP had even attempted to do what Biden just did, you would never hear the end of it. Where are so, you, Ray? Where are you located? I'm in Iowa. Okay. So our perspectives are very different in terms of what oh, we see around us yeah. like in terms of news. Yeah. So like, obviously like we're a lot more familiar with what's going on with like DeSantis oh, and yeah. The, yeah. So it's just, we see it differently. But I also don't see this. I don't see Biden as the type of president that, you know, his favorables are very low. Now very the low. standard democratic States are going to vote his way, but the question is going to become in 24, you know, what way is, is your neighbors to the north in Wisconsin going to vote? You know, what way are voters in potentially Michigan and Pennsylvania going to vote? Although I do think I can tell you how Florida is going to vote. John Fetterman oh, yeah. winning in Pennsylvania definitely makes Biden's path easier to lock up that state. I would definitely say that um, in terms of Georgia, you know, it, it to me, that's kind that's still a toss up. I think Carrie Lake is definitely going to run for the U.S. Senate in 24 in Arizona, and that's going to really make things interesting uh, regarding Kirsten Sinema running as an independent, and then whatever the Democrats choose to do, if it's Ruben Gallego who's going to run on their ticket. Um, I still think there's a lot of variables. I don't think there's any clear-cut answer. Could Joe win again? Yeah, it's possible. I, I just I mean, right now, I don't know what to think. I just think this country is- I don't know that he'll make it. Like, well, to me, the, the, like it, he when they put him up, it, it's like Weekend at Bernie's. I feel like they're just like sort of taking this step and just like, and then he turns around and shakes hands with invisible people and shit. Like, I mean, <laughs> I just honestly, first of all, the reality is he's old. And as we get old, we don't flow and go as easily as we used to. And I just do not see how he is going to make it. Like, I also I just don't, don't think how the him. Democrats are going to be able to win in 24 if they do not have any monumental legislation, which they do not have. And then you're talking about divided government for the next two years, add into the fact that you have a president who has, again, his choices when it comes to executive orders have been severely off. And then, of course, you have the fact that, yeah, his cognitive decline is very real and you're going to literally lack enthusiasm. Yeah. Candidates win on enthusiasm. Biden oh my God. won in 20, not because of his, because of what he did. Trump lost. Trump lost the election. Biden well, didn't completely win. mishandled it. So, well, I mean, the re the reason Trump won in, in 2016, in my opinion, was be was because like um he even though he was running as a Republican, he was in in many ways as an independent, just be, be yeah. just so he could win. That's why a lot of people gravitated toward him. But in 2020, he ran more as an as a Republican, which is why a lot of people turned away from him. I agree. I think that's yeah. a great great. Well, one thing I will say before we go. Uh, I'm digging the Michael Jackson jacket. I am digging the Ghostbuster shirt. You definitely have the 80s flair going, and I can totally <laughs> respect that, brother. Yeah. yeah.
Yeah. Thank you guys for coming on. I really been wanting to get you guys on to have a conversation. Sure. I yeah, we're fairly that. reasonable. We're fairly oh, yeah. reasonable people. Actually, I'll tell you that like this, I'll give Joe the same option. I will vote for him if he pardons Julian Assange and he decriminalizes marijuana. Well, that's not asking for much at all. Well, Man, talk about talk about how easy it is to get a vote. Well, because he'll never do those things. Well, <laughs> Assange or Snowden will never be part yes, of either of them. Like, I know. Especially Snowden, because um, even if Snowden was somehow pardoned, he could never come back to America because someone would kill him immediately. Well, here's the thing. I actually, and it bothers me that he isn't, that he isn't, but but he's not incarcerated. True. That's that's really what we're talking about here. So that's why we need to like focus on Assange because he needs to be free. Snowden yeah. is stuck in Russia, but he has like he has a family and a little bit of a life, and you know he's not incarcerated. If any of you have any time right now, please hop over to YouTube. Generational change, as you can see, our description right there. At We're the going bottom. live going now live in three minutes. So yeah. if you guys want to join us over there, please do. Yeah. It's nice and talking subscribe. to you. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for coming on, and also the link to you guys' channel is in the description below. Thank Much obliged, Ray. Thanks for what you yeah. do, brother. Bye. You're welcome. You're welcome. And um, where can my audience find you at before you guys go? Go to generationalchange.com. That is our website, but also Generational Change on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. It is Gen Change FL on Instagram, Twitter, and Jen Perlman on Facebook. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you guys for coming on. We need to Bye. do it again. Much appreciated, sure. Ray. Yeah. We'll see, you. For, see you guys. You can't do it. Fine. <laughs> All right, guys. That was um Jen and Peter um from the generational change. That like that was a great conversation, guys. Like I can't wait to do it again. Like that was one of the one of the most interesting and fun conversations I've had in a long, long time. Even though we had different views, I actually really liked it because we found a whole lot of common ground right there. A whole lot of it. <laughs> All right, guys. I think I'm gonna wrap this episode up right here in a second and right here right here. But yeah, like um, make sure, but guys, um, if you're watching this, go to Generational Change. Um, I'm in the description below. The link to their YouTube channel is um in the description. Make sure to go click on that and tell them that Ray sent you there. That was a great conversation. I, I got it. Some sometime I gotta. I, sometime they got they gotta come back on here again, and then sometime I might have to go on their show because like um, like I said, they those guys were actually the populist left. They were very moderate and actually very reasonable. And like I loved having that conversation. I can't wait to have it again. Like, it was awesome, guys. <laughs> that was really, really awesome. Really fun. So like I said, I can't wait to do it again. All right, guys. Make sure to like this video and subscribe to my channel here on Rumble. Also, follow me on all on all the other social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, um, Gab, Truth, Minds, CloudHub, all of them. And also, make sure to follow me on all the other podcasts, all the podcast platforms, because my, my show is on. My podcast is on all of those. Make sure to follow me there as well. All right, guys. This is Ray, the host of the Ray Infinity Show podcast. This is episode number 87. Catch you guys later. Peace.